You're listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lee Gomez, and you're listening to a Chirp Radio artist interview. Coming to you live from the historic confines of Thalia Hall, today I have the distinct pleasure of getting to sit down with one of the most critically acclaimed bands of the last several years. From humble beginnings as wide-eyed teenagers to becoming one of the most celebrated new bands to come out of the British rock scene, I introduce to you... Hello, we're called Shame. We got Shame. I'm also called Shame. I'm Josh. We got two Shames and a Josh here. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Uh, How are we doing? How's Chicago treating you so far? Very good. Thank you very much for having us. It's pretty hot here. The last time we were here, actually, was playing a New Year's Eve show at the Empty Bottle in Chicago. So it was dead in the middle of winter. So we've seen the snow and uh, how cold it can get over here. But yeah, it's really good. That was the last time we were in America until a week ago was the 2020 New Year's Eve show there, yeah. Wow. I know, yeah, so it's good to be back in the city. We have a lot of friends here as well. Excellent. So yeah, no, so you guys are currently in the thick of a U.S. tour here, coming hot off the heels of what looked to be a crazy performance at uh, This Ain't No Picnic Fest out in California. What's it like to be back touring abroad? And I mean, any early tour highlights so far? Being an American in itself, everything is sort of entertaining to us. Do you know what I mean? Everything's bigger, (laughs) everything's better, everything's sort of larger and uh, more abstract. But yeah, like I said, it's been like two and a half years or whatever since we've been here. So it's a long time. Things have changed. It's gotten a lot more expensive here. As everywhere, right? Yeah. Harder (laughs) to find fruit. Yeah. Fruit shortage. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, that's great. I mean, hey, uh, I mean, the tour itself right now, uh, you guys have been, uh, it's been support the most recent release, Drunk Tank Pink, an album noted for its poetic messages, really, of, I mean, isolation and internal conflict. And ironically enough, COVID happened right before the, or I'm sorry, right Right after the release, correct? Uh, well, it was in the release, but in the recording, uh, it happened. COVID happened just after we finished recording it. So especially coming off the critical acclaim of your prior release, Songs of Praise, what was it finally like being able to get, you know, bring Drunk Tank to the masses and play it live finally? I think it's been great. But I mean, in that time as well, in the time that we haven't been in America throughout COVID, throughout releasing a second record, we've also finished recording our third album. So we've been able to come over and play these new songs live that are not yet released. Oh, love it. Everything is recorded. So, I mean, it's, it's really good. I mean, I think there's always a worry with bands, any band who released a record in COVID who I've spoken to, I think there's uh, there's a bit of a worry that you don't have that much of a, a live attachment to them, like the context of playing them in certain places and having certain experiences with them on stage and stuff like that. You know, it's like one half of the song lives in the studio and the other half lives live. But getting to play it live and getting to see people in America who were really into the record and stuff like that, it feels crazy. And I think we're just excited to move forward happy to see you guys are back out and doing your thing speaking of which there is something that has been a little present in your live performances here one aspect i would like to touch on specifically is a move you do on stage charlie mm-hmm. uh it's it's happened quite a bit enough for me to bring this up it does happen a bit <laughs> for listeners uh uninitiated it is uh think uh you know that that barton uh, lisa simpson mosh move where they're just swinging fists except charlie uh, uh, you know our guy here he's just punching forward with both arms seemingly as hard as he can and 
and there's a lot of ferocity behind it, but is there a name to it? There's not a name yet. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have to work on that. I mean, earlier, you duffel shuffle. The duffel shuffle. Yeah, the duffel shuffle. <laughs> there you go. Forbes has come up with the name. Oh, geez. Well, you're here to hear first. Dio had the corner, Till Lindemann has the Till Hammer, and shame they got the duffel shuffle. Yeah, that's right, baby. All right, so hey, let's talk music videos for a second. Again, I, at first I want to thank you guys. Uh, you know, music videos, not nearly as big as they used to be, and seeing good ones is almost like seeing a shooting star in this day and age. So coincidentally, you guys are becoming very well known for putting together some chaotically fun videos. I mean, you, you got the wholesome snapshot of the British countryside in One Resla. Alphabet's a fever dream of shadow puppets. Dust on the Trail has that strobe uh, slasher vibe, and I'm barely scratching the surface here. So with that, I want to know who's coming up with this things. I mean... There, you guys got to be storyboarding, you know, well, what's going on in the background here? Walk us through the process of a shame music video. I think especially with like the one Rizzler video, you know, we like came up with the concept of the, the covers. I don't know. A lot of people thought we were kind of snotty and I don't know, like mean or something. And so we wanted to show on like sensitive side. So I think that, yeah, I think that video kind of displayed that. Some of them have just been people proposing them to us. Like the Nigel Hitter one was by a guy called Maxime Kelly. And he just sent us the idea of... Um, kind of making it look like Stereo by David Cronenberg and having us being experimented on, I guess, as little babies, right? So it's kind of a mixture of like, you know, either trying to convey something that's represented in the album or other people just coming uh, with ideas to us or a mixture of the two. Sure. So in the process where somebody comes with an idea, how how much influence would you guys you say, I mean, you would throw on it versus, hey, I have this idea and you're just, boom, let's do it, or it's a little bit more of a creative process and, you know, I like that, but let's let's twist this up a bit or let's move this footage in here. I think we'll usually try and realize their vision as a director, but we're like almost always in the videos. So there's always a, an element of your personality that's going to come through, I think. Very cool. Very cool. And then just, you know, favorite music video you guys have got to record so far? Well, it's hard to say. I like them all for different reasons. We're also good friends with all the directors that have done. Oh, them. OK. So we don't want to pick favorites. No, I, th I think they're all good. They're all I think, good. I think I had the most fun filming the one Rizzler video. Yeah. It, it was as wholesome as it, as it looked on screen. Um, it was just like two days of just messing around on a farm. Um, yeah. Very cold. Sure. But it brought us closer together as friends, I think. And as farmers. Eddie drove a tractor. Moving on to uh, similar to a music video, except uh, just longer version. So we'll call it a short film. You guys did that brilliant live in the flesh short film uh, with director. I, I, I'm mispronouncing this. Please stop me. But uh, Ja Humby. Yeah, that's correct. Correctly. Yeah. yeah. And Molten Jets, which, uh, again, any lis listeners who are unfamiliar, these are the same people who did that also great King Cruel live on the moon performance. So do yourself a favor. Go watch both of those videos right now. But getting back to the shame interview here. Tell us about how that came to be. So it came together because we needed to release. We need. It was COVID time, so obviously we couldn't play any shows around the release of the album. We wanted to do something. And obviously, like one of the forte's of the band is the live performance, and we don't just want to put out bog standard. One of us just stood in a sort of room, you know, playing the songs consecutively. And so we sort of again looked at some videos we really liked, and Molten Jets, which is Jar Humby, his King Crawl Live on the Moon, just looked more interesting, and it was just different. And that is why I think it's so sort of heavily received. And 
and just so happened one of our managers, Cal, knows him personally and got in contact. And he, he'd had that idea for a band to do that exact video for like 10 years or something like that. And he thought like we would be the band to do it with. And it, the filming of it was pretty hectic. It was really awkward. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole point of the video is just to be uncomfortable, but it, sure. it really, really was, yeah. Now, that pregame speech that you kind of throw out before you guys make your way to the stage, was that to lay on the discomfort even further? Or? Everything was completely improvised. Okay. Like, e everything. I don't, like, nothing was scripted apart from that we knew how to play the songs. <laughs> like, that was it. Wow. So you just, yeah, you just improvised that thing right then and there. That wasn't, uh, yeah. oh, wow. Inspiring words. Thank <laughs> you. But I haven't watched your back since, so I don't know how. Oh, no, it's, it's good fun. It's good fun. So really quick, you guys mentioned earlier we got a new album on the way uh, at Liberty to talk about that for a uh, couple minutes here. Or? It'll be coming out early next year. It's very, very good. And yeah, I think, I mean, we've been playing it for a little while now and, uh, okay. and you know, hopefully we're going to start announcing it relatively soon. And I think we're all very excited to move forward with that and that will give us even further reason to come back to America. And because even though we're fresh with Drunk Tank Pink, you know, we have toured that in the UK and Europe by now. So I think we're excited just to come back on. It, it's adding more songs to the set we're seeing it just become a stronger live performance. So to have these songs out for people to know them as well, we hope will just make everything elevate. Wicked, wicked. And it really, uh, just out of curiosity with uh, the live performances and everything, following your guys' social media and everything, uh, looking forward to getting my hands on one of those pink It's Shame Bitch shirts. Oh Who's yeah, we have them here tonight. Whose idea was that? It was me. <laughs> it was a moment of genius. It came to me in a dream. One last question here, and then I'll be uh, out of your hair. You guys had your first release in the form of uh, 2014's Gone Fisting EP, and you know it was done so as teenagers. Flashing forward to today, you've played in front of thousands of fans, countless festivals, and hell, you even recently got to open up for Pearl Jam. What advice, if any, could you guys impart on any budding uh, musicians or bands that are currently in their 2014 gone fisting stage of life. Don't stop writing. Don't stop playing. I mean, there's other things, but those those are like those are those are big those are big ones. Keep doing that. Heed our words, or else. <laughs> oh, geez. All right, guys. Well, again, thank you again. I uh, can't thank you enough, and break a leg out there tonight. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This has been an artist interview from Trip Radio. You can find more interviews at tripradio.org slash podcast.